0: Star Wars 7x7 episode 3265. Today is the conclusion of my conversation with Tom Holler, senior editor at Random House Worlds. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So over the past couple of episodes, we've dived deeply into editing and project management and book creation conversations with Tom Holler, the senior editor at what used to be called Del Rey is now Random House Worlds. Basically, it is the portion of Penguin Random House that is publishing all the Star Wars books that you know and love. Today, we're going a little bit sideways on that conversation and talking about Tom's particular set of skills, one of which is that he's able to edit books. Well, I'll let him tell you about that. But basically, we're gonna have that conversation around the idea of the playlists that he creates for each of the books that he edits. And we're also going to talk about code names, the code names that they use inside Random House Worlds for the various projects that they're working on. Tom's going to tell us a bit about his process and coming up with them, and he's going to tell us the story behind the code word used for Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade by Delilah Dawson, the book that's coming out next month. This whole conversation with Tom was really fun and really insightful and amazing. I enjoyed the heck out of it. I hope you've been enjoying it as well, and I hope you enjoy this final part of it too. For my part now, it just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for this episode as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. And without further ado, here is the final part of my conversation with Tom Holler, Senior Editor with Random House Worlds. Well, one thing I think you do for switching things up for yourself has to do with the editorial playlists that you create uh, related to the different books. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about that because I think it's a really fun thing. And I'm also curious about it from a process perspective because, for example, when I edit, I cannot have anything in... Like, it either has to be instrumental or in another language. Like, I'll listen to Bossa Nova when I'm editing. So it's in Portuguese. And it's just, I don't grab on to... English lyrics while I'm trying to concentrate on somebody else's language. Um, I want to know how you arrive at the playlists that you create while you're editing. Is it something that you are just inspired by the particular mood or tone that a book sets that gets you starting to think about certain songs or are you actually listening to some of this music as you're going through the editing process? How do you do it? And how do you build the playlists that you build for the
1: books? Yeah. So, um, one of hmm, one of my skills. <laughs> this is like <laughs> one of my weird skills, is that I can read and listen to music with lyrics in the same language at the same time and not have like not have them weirdly cross over and like, oops, I just missed half a page because I was listening to the hook of that song, or or vice versa. Right. But I okay. can do that. I don't <laughs> really know why. This is one of one of my skills. And so um, this goes back to, you know, I obviously I, I work from home now uh, and work from home pretty much permanently. I don't go into an office anymore. Um, and most of the work that I do as an editor actually lends itself to working alone as it is, because when I'm sitting to actually edit, I'm not necessarily sitting in a room full of people. I'm in conversation. I'm reading a book. So um when i was in the office and i would be trying to get reading done in the office you know it's not uncommon for folks in any office environment to like put a little music on or something when you're trying to focus on a task and so that's what i would do when i was reading in the office i was trying to like read part of a manuscript and didn't want to be disturbed by you know conversation going on around the office or whatever and i would start to uh what i would find is just Music the different music I was listening to I mostly have my music on just like kind of shuffle It might be based by genre or something But like I'm not necessarily loading up like 10 songs that I definitely want to listen to I just sort of let it run the algorithm run based on what I usually listen to mm-hmm. And when I started to find what's happening is I'd be reading a book And a song would come up that would just like kind of click with me as being related to the book and sometimes it would be a line in the lyrics sometimes it would be like the title of the song sometimes it'd be something like really esoteric and strange just the way that the singer said a particular word or an echo of a word in the book that i was reading in the song and i would just like just like very kind of strange things. And for whatever reason, my head would start to click. As like, oh, well, this song matches this part of this book. Or this song really reminds me of this character. So I just start to throw them onto a playlist. And I do this as I am going through the early stages of a book. Um, oftentimes not the very first time I'm reading a manuscript. That I'll usually just read without anything, because I just want to get the base, the base down as far as like, all right, where's the story going? How are we landing? Where are we going? Where are my initial pain points that I'm seeing? But particularly because you know we talked about i read every book a bunch of times mm-hmm. um, i think on average by the time a book goes from first draft until it's final and off to the printer i'd say I'd probably read every book five to seven times mm. or if it's a really if it's a book that has to go through a lot of heavy editing goes through a lot of revision i might read it more than that but i would say about five to seven times and so particularly in those middle times and i'm really I might have my thoughts together as far as like what I think we need to revise or what needs to be looked at. It's not quite working. Once I have those and I'm starting to key those into the manuscript or I'm starting to just read more and like get my head around them a bit more. That's when I'll start to be listening to the music and I'll start to just throw a song and you know, I'll hear a song that like something about it just clicks with me with this particular story and I'll throw it into a playlist and I'll throw more songs into the playlist as I hear them. And then eventually I'll just start listening to that playlist and I'll start reorganizing the songs based on like, well, this song is really more about the beginning of the book, so it just needs to go at the top of the playlist. Nah, this <laughs> song is really about the end of the book, and nah, it goes to the end. You know, I kind of organize the playlist roughly in chronological order, stuff will drop off the playlist. And I'm like, eh, you know, this song kind of made sense, but, you know, now I've heard it like five times and I've read this book three times, eh, it doesn't really, whatever inside joke I developed for myself didn't work. So like, <laughs> eh, it goes away, uh, you know, and I'll add things and subtract things. And then, you know, at the end of this, I'd have this kind of playlist and I just decided that this would be a fun way that I could let people a little bit into my process of putting the book together and a little bit out of like the experience of building the book by being like, these are the songs that I listened to as I was editing the book. So like when you're reading, and I don't necessarily explain them, but it's like when you're reading that cool battle scene, I was listening to this song like, over and over and over, because like the the pace of it, the kind of energy of it really matched to me what we needed the pace and the energy of the battle scene to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or it'll just be a, like a utterly ridiculous inside joke that probably only me will ever get and only me will think <laughs> is funny. And that's totally fine, too. Um, so that is where the playlists kind of came from. Um, and I it, over time, I I just decided it was like a fun thing to put out. Before the book was out because I don't explain them because it's a so it's a fun way to sort of drop some Easter eggs, but I'm not really dropping any spoilers or anything because there's no way you could listen to a playlist and totally understand anything that's going to happen in the book because again, most of it is these weird inside jokes. But it also is a fun way then for people to listen to the playlist and then kind of tell me what they think the songs mean and be like well i think it means this and this and a lot of times they come up with amazing connections Mm. amazingly valid reads that i'm like that's not what i thought at all i just picked that song because there's one line in the lyrics that i thought was super funny Um, (laughs) and it just like sometimes that surface and yet people like create these really amazing explanations or their own connections to it Um, And so I just thought it was kind of a fun thing to do and a way to, also for me now, I can go back and listen to like the playlist from Thrawn Ascendancy, Lesser Evil. And it is a way in listening to that playlist for me to kind of relive the experience of editing that book and working on that book and remembering like, oh, right. And this is when we decided we were going to add this thing in, which I added this song because late in the edits, we decided we need another scene with Thrawn and Thras. And I thought about this thing and this song connected with it. And so it's almost a way of creating this kind of memory of working on each book, as well as this fun artifact of mood and emotion. Um, That's, Yeah, just like a cool extra bit of fun that I get to have while I'm doing my job and also picking out music that I think helps me edit better um, because it helps me focus on a particular thing, particularly because, um, you know, no matter how much you like something, and I think food is a good example of this, like if you really love Mm -hmm. some food, if you ate a ton of it, like a lot of days in a row, eventually you'd come to get sick of it. You'd be like, can I please eat anything else but this, right? right? And no matter how much I'm enjoying a book and no matter how much I'm appreciating the work an author is doing and their rigor and everything, if you're reading the same book a lot of times in a really short window of time, there is this little bit of monotony that can creep into it, no matter what. It's, it's impossible to avoid, right? And mm-hmm. so having the music is a way for me to combat that potential Manani. It's the way to hold it at bay, and thus keep myself from drifting away from the book. From being like, oh, well, I've read this chapter four times, I don't need to focus on it anymore, I'll just focus on the next chapter, because a big thing happens in the next chapter. And having the music is a way for me to combat that, so that I stay as focused on that chapter the first time I read it, the fourth time I read it, the seventh time I read it, to make sure that it's, you know, the best version of itself.
0: I like that a lot. And the the thing that you mentioned about Lesser Evil makes me wonder whether as you were preparing for Lesser Evil, did you revisit the playlists for Chaos Rising and Greater Good? Uh, I think it's Chaos Rising. Ah, shucks. Now I'm not you nailed it. You got it. positive. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> did you revisit those playlists prior to getting into the editorial process for Lesser Evil to kind of ground you in what those two books had been like prior to going into the third?
1: Uh, I did because I also was revisiting those books themselves. I was was rereading the books just to remind myself about not just little plot things that happened, but character arcs and sort of not just where did we leave the characters at the end of greater good, but sort of what what journey have they gone through here? Um, And I did revisit those playlists, again, to help get into that mood, to sort of get back to remind myself different things. But also because like I was like, I don't want to repeat music. It's not that I can't. Um, Mm. In fact, there is, I believe, um, at least one song that repeats on, um, on, uh, uh, in the Thrawn, in those three Thrawn, um, there is at least one song that was, that was reprised um, very intentionally. (laughs) Um, But in general, it's like, I don't want to repeat these, especially if I'm, if I'm using them, not just for me, but if I'm also like releasing them, but I don't want to give people like the same 10 songs that, um, uh, yeah, The Night We Met by Lord Huron was a song that I used on the on Thrawn Ascendancy, on Chaos Rising's um, playlist, and I repeated it for Lesser Evil um, for kind of a very specific reason. Uh, and uh, uh, that maybe if you read both books and listen to both playlists, maybe somebody will figure out. But uh, <laughs> in general, like, I don't want to entirely repeat the music, because I want people who are coming to these to feel like they're getting new music. And because each book, even books within the same series, are just different. You know, and they, they have a different vibe. So I do sort of look and I'd be like, oh, if I use that Third Eye blood song like four times, all right. Because, <laughs> um, you know, I'm a, I'm a creature of habit at times and, you know, I'll be w- listening to a particular genre a bunch and so I will listen to the same music from time to time quite a bit. But I try not to let that infuse the playlist. Um, Gotcha. And
0: would you indulge our audiences by um, considering one very ridiculous inside joke that you think only you would have been amused by? And are you able to share what an example of that
1: might be? Um, I mean, this isn't really an inside joke, but I pretty much knew from the first page of Lesser Evil that the last song in the playlist was going to be Exile. Uh, featuring Taylor Mm -hmm. Swift featuring Bon Ivor mostly because I was just like I don't really think that Thrawn would be a big Taylor Swift guy (laughs) Um, but also I'm like I know that you know the book ends with Exile yeah spoilers I suppose but um, so the only song that makes sense is Exile you know um, uh, there a lot of times it will be because there's like one line of a lyric in a song, and it's not even like the most important line in the song. It's not like part of the chorus. It's not part of the hook. It'll be some random throwaway line that I think refers to like a side character. And I'll just be like, ha this refers to this side character who only appears in five pages of this book, putting it on the playlist. <laughs> and uh so there's like a, a bunch of them like that. So uh on uh, the Chaos Rising playlist, which is book one of the Ascendancy trilogy, there's a song... There's a Barbara Streisand song on there called "The Way We Were," which, yep. um, for for folks who may not be familiar, um, is a very well-known song from. Uh, it was the you know uh, the soundtrack song to a huge movie um, from back in the day uh, that uh, Barbara Streisand was in. I believe she was in it with the. Was she in that movie with Robert Redford? I might be making that up. Uh, somebody will Either fact check. It's the- interview. Him or Chris Christopherson, yeah. one of the two. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's from- uh, I don't think it's from- uh, um...
0: No, it's not from- um, Well, we're thinking of The Star is Born. Yeah, it's not no. from The Star is Born. Uh, so- uh,
1: It is, you know what? The Way We Were is the name of the movie. It's from the 70s and anyway- we're yes. the Redford Center. And it's called The Way We Were and it's this song about longing and it's the song about history and relationship and i put that on the playlist because there is a scene in thrawn ascendancy where we get this sort of flashback not quite the very first meeting between thrawn and admiral Olani, but one of their let's say early most important interactions um, which happens to be a uh, an outing to a art gallery and then an outing it's combined with an outing to a um uh, like a martial arts dojo to have a fight um, mm-hmm. because I thought it would I always thought it would be funny if they like sparred together and I put it on there because I was like thinking about that song and it came on my I was I think I was playing a playlist with like a movie soundtrack song. and it came on my thing and I was like this really doesn't refer to anything <laughs> like this song about longing and it's like, there's not really longing between Thron and Lara, but the song about people with like a deep history and, and really intricately connected. And I was like, it's also kind of funny if I, if I connect this song to this scene, because the scene of them going to an art gallery and Arlani just being like, uh, incredulous, just being like, you took me to an art gallery to tell me about the art. And Thrawn being like, yeah, where else would we go? You know, that just the way in which these two people are connected, but also at times kind of talking past each other, just connected to this like grandiose song. And I was just like, this is perfect. But it doesn't really make any sense if you think about it too hard. (laughs) Uh, And again, these things are just filled with them um, because it is just uh, um, it is a way again to keep the stories fresh for me. It's a way to keep the stories vibrant and avoid again that monotony, which has a real i think a real effect on the work it's not just for fun it's not just a lark it can have a real effect on the work if suddenly i'm like "eh, whatever i know what happens to this chapter i don't have to read it three more times like no you do because edits have been made and you made edits in the chapters around it and that maybe now cascade into that one that you have to notice and so it really does as much fun as these playlists are they really do serve a purpose of trying to keep me um fresh and focused um from edit one all the way through edit five six seven you know whatever it is Um,
0: (laughs) it's a really unique way of doing it it's really amazing
1: uh yeah it, it is like i said i've never really met another book editor who can listen to lyric music while they're editing to this degree um, I'm sure there are others, and if, actually, I would love to meet more editors, the good deal, because then i have more more fun things to talk about with them. <laughs> fun, fun fact about editors, like, editors don't actually spend a lot of time talking with other editors. Um, it's just one of those things that, unless they're an editor, like, on your team, like, I have a team of people that I work with that I talk to all the time, but other than that, like, I actually don't know that many book editors. <laughs> just because <laughs> editors don't really get together and chat a whole lot. I'm not really sure why, um, but uh, we don't, so and what might they even
0: talk about it just you put me in mind of a a short story by leonard michaels i read many years ago where um he as the character in the short story was familiar with uh, a friend who was also a writer so writers not editors but um his own attitude was that he wouldn't want to ask him about the progress of his book because he just felt like that was too invasive um and eventually it got to a point where his friend got really upset with him because like you never asked how my work is going and so just the two different approaches to how they were doing their writing you ended up being a source of of a friction between the two of them but i wonder how it is with editors you know if editors ever meeting each other actually really want to talk about the work or if they'd rather you know if some would rather not
1: um yeah i mean that's a good point um i think we we would i mean first of all editors would love to just sit around and like talk about books because that's what we talk about. But, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sit around and talk about authors, uh, you know, authors we all worked with, you know, because a lot of editors might have worked with common authors because authors, you know, move between publishing houses or, you know, their YA book is published by one team with one editor and their adult novel or their Star Wars books published by other people. Um, you know, and just talk about, like, you know, editors love getting book recs or getting book recommendations or author recommendations. So, like, who better to give you an author a book recommendation than another, another editor? Um, That's I fair. I'd want to sit around with editors just to talk about like the really crunchy stuff of editing, just be like, how do you edit? Because again, mm-hmm. I don't, because I don't talk to others, I don't really know, like, is the way that I edit correct? Is it right? You know, I mean, I, I think it is because I think it generally results in good work. But because it is a pretty solitary thing, mm-hmm. I don't really, you don't get to see other editors doing it. Um, you kind of have to go and ask somebody and I, I, I would love to surround other editors and learn cool tricks on how to be a better editor. Yeah, it's not exactly a spectator sport. No, <laughs> oh, I I have definitely seen like once or twice someone has tried like oh I'm gonna do like I'm gonna be an editor and like do Twitch or whatever and I'm just like it's just a lot of watching a person stare at a computer screen and not say anything for like an hour. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't mean that in a bad way. I actually think it's cool that someone is trying to figure out a way to like let people into the editorial process, and I've thought about that too. But there, it's not really a thing. You can't sit next to me and watch me edit because, again, you're just going to watch me stare at a screen for a while and not really say anything and then take a break. Like <laughs> That'll be the whole experience, it'll be pretty boring, uh, really. And then there's only so much you could say
0: anyway when you're dealing with uh, stuff that's generally so secretive to begin with
1: yeah and also generally i think you know um and i i feel this way i think most editors and i think most authors probably feel this way is that that sort of relationship and the process of editing is like kind of this a bit of a sacred space of like, that's a place for the author and the editor to engage with each other, to chat, to like work through making something that might not be good, make it better and then make it really great. And so most of the conversations that I have with authors, like, it's just like, it's between you and me, you and I are just going to talk about this, going to work through this and like these notes and these things are not getting shared with other people, not because people are saying like weird or salacious or like offensive things, it's just like, That you need to create that environment. You need to have that sort of trust in order to build a really good working relationship particularly on a creative endeavor and so yeah it is a little bit sacrosanct and that's even before we start talking about like oh we're talking about this video game plot or we're referencing this TV show thing that's not out yet you know even before mm-hmm. you get into like the bells and whistles sort of things um, you need to be able to have that trust between an editor and the author and if one of you is running off to you know download your your notes to social media about the chat you just had um, five minutes later like that that trust is never going to be built um, and right. so- yeah, that makes it a little bit a little bit challenging.
0: Mhm. And speaking of secret things too, there is one other thing I wanted to ask you about that's also I think very fun that happens which is the code names that you guys have for books in development and anything that you would like to share about like why you decided, um, to have code names for things. Um, and also if you are able to share code names for books, um, that have come out recently, maybe in 2022. And even if you are interested or able to hint at code names for books that are upcoming, um, that would be very fun.
1: Um, yeah. So, okay. So the, the reason, so there's a practical, so the practical reason is that, um, you know, you work on a book as far enough ahead as you can, but um, you may not yet really be able to talk about what that book is about, you know, what that book is related to, maybe some of the specifics of it. Um, we'll use a really great example of like, you know, working on the novel Battle Scars, which is related to big video game that's coming out. You know, it's related to Jedi Survivor, which, well, it's out now, but you know, at the time that you start yeah. working on it, that video game's not out yet. Uh, most of the details about that video game don't exist yet. But you're working on this book and, you know, uh, kind of bring us all the way back to the beginning of our conversation, working on developing a book is, again, not just editing and revising. It's all that project management. And the book still has to start to make its way through a publisher. You need to start to be able to have conversations with people about like, when are we scheduling this book for? You know, when's this book going to come out? When might we have materials? What are some of the details of this book? And so you need to start to have conversations, even if all of the bits of the book are not Necessarily ready for any kind of public consumption, so one of the things that we we do is rather than just calling the book you know what it is, give it a code name so that you can start to have conversations about it, but we're still ensuring the confidentiality that we might need at various stages of the process so that there you know isn't a situation where accidentally somebody third hand writes down the name of a book or something and releases it and suddenly even in an unintended or accidental way you have released material that is not yet ready for broader public consumption right and using a mm-hmm. code name using a code name is a pretty simple way to avoid that and yeah someone might find the code name but if they don't know what the code name means then You know, it's doing what it's it's doing its job, right? Right. And so I took this to the um, nth degree, which is like, well, if we have to have code names, (laughs) yeah. Here we go. Cool. They should be actual code names. Like, yeah, it could just be like untitled book A, and then the next one's untitled book B. Like, yeah, we could do that. But that's not fun. I mean, no. this, this should be fun, um, <laughs> he says. I'm pretty sure I'm the only one who thinks this is fun. Uh, so I will oftentimes come with up with like absolutely ridiculous code names for books, um, which we will then use. And then eventually, you know, once the book is formally announced or gets its formal title or whatever, those code names go by the wayside. But those code names might often be around for like months and months and months. Um, so uh, I can tell you that. Um, um, the Inquisitor novel, um, Delilah Dawson's uh, Inquisitor, Rise of the Red Blade, which comes out in um, July. If you're listening to this, it's May 2023 right now. But in July, mm-hmm. uh, in two months, we've got this book coming out. And the code name for that book for the longest time was Treadle, T-R-E-A-D-L-E. Mm. Uh, and the reason is... Um, uh, uh, always been obviously a big monty python fan and there is a very fabled sketch from monty python about the spanish inquisition so the moment that i'm like oh we're doing an inquisitor novel like i can't help but think of the spanish inquisition nobody expects the spanish Inquisition <laughs> sketch. and the very first line in the sketch or one of the very first exchanges is the guy comes in and says uh one of the cross beams has gone out of skew on treadle and he says it very quickly, and whatever, and he has, has to repeat it a few times. And so I was rewatching the sketch, and I was just like trying to find a word that I thought might be a fun code word. And I was just like, "Oh, treadle." So that became the code word because it relates to the sketch, Spanish Inquisition. The book's about the inquisitors who don't have any actual relation to Spanish Inquisition, other than. That word. <laughs> um, so that was the code name for the Inquisitor novel for quite a while. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, for the the Canto Byte novel, which came out um, just before the last Jedi. Um, so Canobite being the, you know, glamorous, you know, uh, rich city where all sorts of things are going on. And Hulk also happens to be the scene, the place in the last Jedi where, um, you know, uh, Finn and Rose find the hacker or the splicer that they need. Right. right. And so knowing that when we were working on the book and knowing that, i decided that the code name for the book was going to be zero cool and the reason for that is that the 90s movie hackers which stars angelina jolie uh uh among other people mm-hmm. the the hacker name of the main character uh played by johnny le miller uh is zero cool that's his like that's his hacker username. He's known as that's his sobriquet, Zero Cool. So I named the Canobite novel Zero Cool because it connected <laughs> to the idea of a hacker. And in the movie, they will go and find a hacker, and so it's like this nine step process. <laughs> um, and again, these code names are all like infinitely more complicated than they need to be. Almost no one ever asks me what the code names mean. Every once in a while, someone will, and I will get to be all excited and explain the process. And um, I imagine people are usually rolling their eyes at me when I do that. But I get very excited to do it. Um, so, almost all, you know, they're, they're all crazy like that. Um, as far as future code names, um, I can't really tell you a future code name, except I can tell you a future code name that is not going to be used because we don't need to use it. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what the code name means, though. Okay. So, uh you know it was announced at star wars celebration the the novels uh that are coming in the next phase phase three of the high republic right uh and it was announced uh the titles of all the various books that are coming both the books that will be coming this fall when you know kind of really kicks off and then even books that are coming in the future um uh even you know several ways down the line so uh for instance we announced uh that uh, Charles Sewell is going to be writing a novel called Trials of the Jedi. And so Trials of the Jedi does not come out for quite a while. And That's Spring 25, I think, right? I believe so. So uh, that novel had a code name that we don't need to use anymore because the, the actual title of the book has been revealed. <laughs> uh, and so I will tell you that the original, the code name for that book was going to be korma uh but i'm not going to tell you why uh would you spell that please uh c-o-r-m-a
0: oh as it sounds it's korma i wasn't sure if you were saying that or warm i would cue you for a second
1: crma and if you i mean people i'm sure will google that and look it up and it does connect to various things uh, but i don't think anyone's going to be able to figure out exactly why that is the code name for the book uh, I don't even know if after you read the book, you'll be able to figure out why that's the code name for the book. It's a really, really, really esoteric one.
0: <laughs> but, well, uh, I guess I'll have to put a note in my calendar to follow up with you in two years on that one. Exactly,
1: yeah. Ask me ask me again, uh, you know, set an Alexa reminder or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, ask me again in a couple of years, and uh, I will explain it. So that that was going to be that one, but I don't need to use that code word anymore, which is nice. <laughs> um and I'm, I'm sure all the people on my team who are always like what what is this the code word what does this code word mean like you know we'll be talking about a code word or something in a meeting and we'll say and then like after the meeting someone will send me a, a message on like uh on our teams or slack or something be like what does that code word mean again and i'll explain it again because <laughs> uh, you know you gotta gotta keep all the code words gotta keep all the to subterf- you gotta keep it all straight right and so yeah gotta uh, that's the only way to keep all the information secure but again, much like the playlist, it's like it's just trying to keep a part of the job which can be either frustrating or a little mundane to be like, oh, we gotta use code names, can't use the real name, we gotta keep all the information protected for all very good reasons. It's a way to just make it a little more entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, uh it's yeah it's uh also i consider like i I think i'm pretty good at it so it's like it's like (laughs) one of my super again much like listening to lyric music while editing is like this is one of my very few superpowers it's like ah i can come up with a really good code name um uh, plus you know as people know it's like all the star wars stuff has code names like all the movies have code names you know like everything's got a code name so like it's just of course the books have to have code names too of course Um, can't be left out of the fun (laughs)
0: then this whole conversation has been fun. And I'm so grateful for all the time that you've taken out of your day to share all of these wonderful insights and stories with me and with our audience. I think just the last thing I would ask you is for people who want to follow you more directly on your continuing star Wars journey, where should they keep up with you? Where should they keep up with random house worlds?
1: Sure. Um, so if you want to follow along with like all the stuff that me and my team does, um, you can follow us on all the social channels, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, etc. Um, it's Star Wars books on Facebook, but the other two are Del Rey Star Wars. And I feel like, wait a minute, why is he telling me to follow Del Rey Star Wars, even though he works around us worlds? Uh, that's because it's the same team we've sort of just rebranded. We haven't gotten around to rebranding the social channels. So Del Rey, D-E-L-R-E-Y Star Wars. Um, and you can follow all the announcements and cool stuff we've got coming. Um, as for me, um, really the only place that I exist or hang out is uh, on Twitter. Um, you can find me at Darth Internus. Um, Internus is spelled I-N-T-E-R-N-O-U-S. Um, and so, you know, if you want to hang out, anyone has questions, everyone asks me weird questions about my playlists or anything like that, <laughs> hit me up, always happy to chat. Um, and that's uh, that's where you can find me.
0: Wonderful. And I will link to all of that in the show notes for this episode as well. Tom Holler, thank you again so much for taking the time and all of your brilliant expertise and for keeping things fresh for yourself. So that way we as readers can enjoy the absolute best that these authors are able to give. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks very much, Alan. Thanks for having me. Always happy to chat and uh, appreciate it. Looking forward to the next time.